Just kidding. Thank you. <laughs> no, it is a joy to introduce our guest preacher today. Uh, she's not a guest to us. Uh, she's our director of worship ministries here at FUMC, uh, but uh, she's been among us for about a year and a half now, and we've all come to appreciate her love for God, her heart for God, and so I hope you'll join me in welcoming Jenny Wall. Thanks, Ryan. Okay, so let's do this. You ready? Um, quick thing before we uh, get started is, um, if you haven't noticed, today's theme is the reign of Christ. And so we follow a church calendar throughout the year, and it starts with Advent and Christmas, and then it culminates um, this week in um, the reign of Christ. So this is the last week of the Christian year so that we can start next week with Advent. So that's just a little bit of why some of this is going on the way it is. But let's, let's do this. When I was a kid... Disney movies were made up most of the collection of our options, at least for my brother and me. One of my favorite movies was The Sword in the Stone, an origin story of King Arthur. Legend had it that whomever pulled the sword from the stone would be crowned king. Young Arthur, often called Wart, was a 12-year-old orphan that was taken in by a foster family. He worked as a page and hoped to become a squire for a knight someday. Arthur didn't know about the legend of the sword and the stone. But while his foster brother was competing in a tournament, Arthur needed to find a sword. You see, he forgot his brother's sword. Sort of important for this kind of tournament. And so to avoid getting in trouble, he goes looking for a sword anywhere he could find one. And he finds a sword stuck in a stone. And so he goes and pulls it out, thinks nothing of it, and goes and gives it to his brother. He was the last person that anybody would have thought would have pulled the sword from the stone and become king of England. The king of kings did not come the way that people thought he would. He didn't come as a mighty warrior. He didn't immediately whip the world into shape. The people didn't even believe he could be king of the Jews, let alone the Son of God. Jesus didn't fit the mold anyone wanted, but he was perfect for what God knew that we needed. Throughout Scripture, there's a promise of a king, a king who rules over all kings and far surpasses some of the best rulers this world has ever seen. But the human idea of a king never quite worked with God's idea. God wanted to be the ruler of God's people. But God's people wanted something different. So God gave them kings. The most loved and most acclaimed king was King David. David also had humble origins. He started as a shepherd, one of the lowest positions you could be in. But he proved to be a great king for the people of Israel. He led the Israelites to conquer their enemies and claim the land that God had promised to them. David established the kingdom of Israel and brought peace to his people. But after King David, the people were looking for another promised king that would be just like him. But the prophets of the Old Testament spoke of a different kingdom and a different king. Jesus was born from the line of David, but he grew up in Nazareth. And everyone knows that nothing good comes from Nazareth. 
He was not anything like David. He was not a warrior. He did not come to overthrow the Romans. He did not have a coup plan. He wasn't the king anyone was expecting. Even John the Baptist, his cousin, had trouble believing that maybe he was the one that they thought he was. John 1, 1-4 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So John tells us of the Word that God used to create the world from when it all began. And then in verse 14, John says, And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of only, as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the one who did the creating work that God spoke into motion. Colossians one sixteen through seventeen says that all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus, and in Him all things hold together. Jesus is the King of all creation. The king became human, but humans rejected him because he was not what they wanted. A large part of Luke 23, where our text comes from today, is about the question, is Jesus king? You see, it's the text where Jesus is put on the cross between the two criminals, and the first thing he says is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. The religious leaders did not want him as a king. Roman, the Romans could not allow him to challenge Caesar. But even still, now, we don't want Jesus as king. Whether it's because we desire control or status or something else, when given the choice, Jesus is not usually our first. I like to think that I would have accepted Jesus. And I think it's an easy consideration that we can all make because we're so far removed from that time. But I know that honestly, I reject Jesus all the time. I seem to think that I can be in charge of my own kingdom. And even though I've rejected Jesus' kingdom over and over again to rule my own, he still offers me a place in his kingdom with him. Jesus proclaimed a very different kind of kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of God belonged to the children and to the poor. The ways of this kingdom seem backwards to us because they're so different from how we operate on earth. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom Jesus brought and is bringing to earth must be different from heaven if Jesus wants it to be the same. Many people asked Jesus questions about the kingdom, because the concepts were just so foreign. It reminds me of trying to do a puzzle, and you're trying to put the pieces together, and you're trying to make them work, but you don't have the picture of what it's supposed to look like at the end. And so we hold the pieces and try and make them work the way that we think they should, but we get frustrated, and we jam them together because it doesn't quite work the way we think it might. I can also picture a a kid doing a puzzle, and they want this piece to fit in this spot, 
but it doesn't quite fit there for whatever reason. Either that doesn't fit there because it's not the same shape, or it doesn't fit there because you need to turn it just a little bit. And they may not want to, but they need to if they want to make this work. The kingdom of God doesn't work like our kingdoms. Jesus came and gave us glimpses of what the kingdom is like, but still a bit of a mystery to us. We need Jesus to show us how his kingdom works so that we can accept the invitation to join him. It wasn't always what we want, and it isn't always what we want, but it's exactly what we need. Our text in Luke brings us directly to the cross. The last place the king of creation should be is hanging on a cross between two criminals. The one who made all things and all things were made for is allowing his creation to kill him. So what is Jesus' response? Love. Jesus is the rightful king of kings. And yet after they put him on a cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. Pardon them. Wipe their sin away. Jesus makes our forgiveness possible. He has the authority to wipe our slate clean. Why is it so hard for us to accept his forgiveness? The truth is, Jesus is not who they wanted. Love is not what they wanted. Forgiveness is not what they wanted. But it's exactly what they needed. It's what we need. It's what I need. Jesus offers love and forgiveness whether we accept them or not. The question is, how will we respond? So the criminals that are crucified next to him have a response. And that is the remaining part of our passage. The first one joined the crowd in making fun of Jesus. It seems interesting that the king of all creation would endure torture as the people around him challenge his power and authority. The criminal jeers at, that Jesus should save himself and the others. And he may have wanted Jesus to show his power, to prove himself. But all of creation needed Jesus to be, to be a redeemer, to redeem the world. And Jesus as king saw to that work. That criminal and the crowd missed the point. Their response was to reject Jesus because he did not give them what they wanted. Other, the other criminal defends Jesus, not because Jesus needs defending, but because he realized his own need for Jesus. And he asked Jesus to remember him in his kingdom. And the other criminal, the, the other criminal was accepting his need for punishment and for forgiveness. This repentant criminal honors Jesus as king. And Jesus gladly welcomes him into the kingdom, saying, Today you will be with me in paradise. Our response to Jesus as king is similar. Will we accept Jesus because he is what we need? Or will we reject him because he is not what we want? We need Jesus to reign because we would be lousy kings and queens. And Jesus is who we need. We need the love and forgiveness that only Jesus can offer. As we come to the Lord's table to remember what Jesus has done to establish the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, we must acknowledge our need for Jesus. Jesus may not be, always be the one we want, but he will always be the one that we need. Amen.